0: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm swell. How are you? The uh, Steelers are now eliminated, so my life gets a little more calm after this week. We're just a bunch of wrap-up shows and whatnot, and maybe we'll bring you more Dynasty Blueprints as a result.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, Yeah, that Week week 17 was meaningless for a lot of teams, but the Steelers were not one of those. And, And, of course, it didn't go their way. And then... You would think that would be kind of the end of the new cycle for the Steelers, but not, not quite the soap opera continues. I think we've gotten a, a weekly update from you uh, basically every week for the past year. Of course, that started with Le'Veon Bell all throughout the offseason and preseason. And now the drama has shifted to Antonio Brown. I'm sure everybody knows the story at this point, so we won't rehash that here, but Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts on that or or certainly if you have any uh, inside info you can share with us, we'd we'd take that. Yeah, I I
1: don't know how much everyone knows the whole story, but what happened was he got in an altercation Wednesday walkthrough. That's the the morning practice where there's no media. And I guess him and Ben were screaming at each other. who, Who knows what all happened there? And shortly after, he told the staff I have a knee that's bugging me, which some people thought was made up, but it's not. I mean, he had a knee that was bugging him. And so he didn't practice Wednesday evening, afternoon, didn't practice Thursday, didn't practice Friday. And Tomlin and well, the staff set up an MRI for him Friday and said, OK, after meetings Friday, go to your MRI. And he never went. And no one ever heard from him all day Saturday. They checked into the team hotel. He wasn't there. Called him, called him, called him. No one answered. And the next time they saw him was game day. He shows up at the stadium. And by that time, they'd already, you know, named him inactive. They were finding or not finding him, but telling him, hey, you're not going to play because we haven't heard from you. We don't know where the heck you are. We don't know what you have a bad knee or not. And he sat on the sidelines for like a half. And I guess he left some time before the end of the game and has not been heard from since. Crazy.
0: Wow. Well, wow. yeah, I, I did not know that entire story. So thanks for sharing. You know, last year we spent the entire off season, again, like I said, talking not only talking about Le'Veon Bell, but really just kind of pushing that to the back burner. Pretty much everybody thinking he's going to play. He'll report. This is fine. This is nothing to worry about. And now I've already seen people start to do that with this situation are we going to run into the same trap that there there is really more here or, or they're going to end up doing something, uh, namely trading him? Oh,
1: I don't know. I mean, are the bridges burned? I mean, I, I think that's right. what it comes down to. I mean, can they not live with him? Are they better off without him? He's obviously still awesome. And I look at the team, you know, just from a football perspective, if he's not there, I don't think they're a contender anymore, you know? And so, Obviously that's an issue. And the bigger issue though is trading them just destroys your cap. I mean, it's a big, big cap hit, unless you wait till after June 1st, and it still would be a big cap hit, but it wouldn't be as as brutal. But then you don't get any draft picks from this class. And the draft is coming's gone. So it's not real convenient. I mean, they'd be better off of kissing and making up. I just don't what no one knows is is that possible at this point.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's certainly a messy situation. I mean, over the past week, he had an obligation to report and to stay in communication with the team, and it sounds like he didn't. So now that we're into the offseason and, and you've got, you know, you basically have all the freedom that you want, the team may not hear from him for a while.
1: Right. I mean, who knows? I mean, he's off doing his own thing. He doesn't have to report. I mean, the one thing they can do is they can – say that he didn't show up for week 17 so they're not going to pay him that game check there's thoughts that by doing this he is in breach of his contract but that only means you could cut him and if it's true maybe you could cut him without a huge cap hit but then he's going to end up on the Patriots and you have to play against him you know like you don't want to just give the guy away for nothing this is
0: a tough spot obviously and, and maybe one that we'll be following all off season again, just just like we did with Le'Veon Bell last year, just like we we will with Le'Veon Bell this off season, I'm sure. Well, Matt, let's let's bring in our guest now. We've got uh, a returning guest. He was here just just a few weeks ago. We've got Dan Sanio from DLF from the Dynasty Trade Cast, Dynasty Double Take. Dan, how's it going?
2: It's going very very well. That was um, that was an impressive intro right there. I feel like I was on a, a Football <laughs> Insiders edition of something. That was. That was enjoyable. I'm just gonna come back and hang out for that.
0: That's what we do, man. Yeah this the Steelers uh, soap opera. It, <laughs> it you know I love it, it. it never uh, never disappoints. That's right. Uh, well, Dan, like I mentioned, you were with us just uh, just a few weeks ago talking Dynasty, and we've got you back now. On that show, when you were here earlier, we talked about your your weekly recap that you do on Twitter. You share your thoughts there and uh, and talk about. Uh, nearly every relevant player that played that previous week, and and you did that throughout the season. I don't think I think you only missed a couple, uh, which was impressive in its own right. But uh, I love that quick recap that you share, and and we're thinking why not bring that quick recap to the Dynasty Blueprint? So um, I, I read your Week 17 recap, which was essentially a full season review. Right? Is that kind of how you viewed it?
2: Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to kind of more deep dive uh with with still limited context in there but adding a little tiny bit of context with the keep trade drop portion of it. So from the bigger scope of things, we are able to kind of put players in different categories and really tr- try to figure out what we want to do for this offseason and moving into next season, obviously pre-draft, pre-combine before some really big important decisions are made and and kind of figure out what we want to do with all of these players, whether they're relevant or not.
0: Yeah, that's that's great thought. And this this time of year, there's so many decisions for dynasty players to make. You you essentially have to make a call on every single relevant player, like kind of like you did uh, earlier in the week when you shared this. But that's what that's what dynasty players have to do. The players on their roster, do they want to keep them? Do they want to dump them? Uh, and then those other players that they don't have who should they acquire, who should they draft, who should they trade for, et cetera. Uh, so Dan, like I said, we're kind of excited. We're going to give this a shot today with uh, with week 17 in the rear view. And I'm thinking if this works out, we might try to even do this um, a, a lot next year once the regular season rolls back around. I don't know if you're up for that.
2: Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think I think the quick hitting thread is is nice as is. But I think something that can provide some context, like coming here and chatting with you guys, getting some more thoughts on it, uh, some more perspective from from bright people, I think is really, really important. Um, mostly it's bright just kind of might
1: get... be a stretch. But we'll do what we can.
2: <laughs> I don't know. That sure is pretty bright, Matt. I think I think we can count you in there. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just nice to get a little bit of context in there. So I think I think, yeah, if, uh, if everything works out, man, it'd be it'd be a, a good time. All right, well, well,
0: we'll treat this like a test run then. We're going to take a look at your Week 17 review, which, uh, as as we both said, was kind of a full-season review. You, you mixed it up just a little bit this time and placed players in those categories of keep, trade, or drop. And there were a few that stood out to me. We obviously won't get to all of them. I picked out five players, five situations, that I would love to hear a little bit more uh, perspective on Let's start with David Johnson, one of the one of the most frustrating players of the season. We could call him maybe the bust of the season, especially if you're thinking about that redraft format where he was the the top pick in many leagues and and certainly didn't live up to that. You put him in your trade category, which uh, essentially means you view him as as a player that we should look to trade this offseason, whether that's because he still has value and and maybe the the trade value eclipses the the value that he'll he'll bring back to us on our roster or it's just a player that that you think is going to totally fall off the off the map. I don't think that's the case with DJ but uh he's still being valued drafted as a second rounder in a startup draft. How how worried are you with him?
2: I don't know that I would say I'm worried. I I think the the idea that he was going to explode this year was pretty prevalent, like you mentioned, and a lot of people really, really were you know that we were thinking we were going to get that 2016 DJ back, and you know he was he was a little bit underwhelming. He finished the season as RB nine, which. I mean, he's still an RB1, but when you're spending those first few picks on someone like this, it's kind of tough. It was nice to see him play all 16. The the one thing that kind of stood out with me looking at him and kind of comparing to 2016 was how efficient he was in 2016. And that's not the guy we had this year. Obviously, he was RB1 overall in 2016. It's just pseudo efficient. Unbelievable that year. And this year, he was RB42 in points per touch, which, I mean, you can kind of, You know, it's a little bit of cherry picking, but at the same time, he's not on the same the same playing field as he was. And yes, the Cardinals are a different team Um, from a personnel perspective. They're not very different. Uh, Obviously, the quarterback situation is different, and that probably affects that some as well. And you know, he's he's not old by any means, but twenty seven, pushing it a little bit for my for my love for dynasty running backs. So. I, I wouldn't say he's, I, I'm super concerned. I just think that 2016 and name value makes him still a pretty easy sell at this point, And you can get some pretty quality players for him.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree. Um, and and I'm maybe even a little more worried than you are. When you said he finished it as the RB9, that, that just kind of stands out. Because if you, if you own David Johnson this year, you've, trotted him out basically every week. He, he, even when he was struggling, he he wasn't a player that you felt comfortable benching. He only gave you two RB1 games the entire season. He was RB10 one week, had that one week where he was uh, the RB1 overall. We kind of saw that coming. I think that was against Kansas City. Other than that, he's RB15, RB20, uh, and, and, and sometimes even worse than that. So um, staying... Healthy throughout the season pushed him into that RB1 range overall, the the top 10, as you mentioned, but certainly a frustrating player to own. So he's a guy you want to sell. What are you, what are you looking to get from him?
2: Uh, the other the other running backs in his range you know that low end rb1 um, your james Connors are are guys that kind of come into come into play and the other wide receivers in that zone i think Julio is kind of around there in his startup adp it looks like Antonio Brown's sliding down that way and obviously i bring up David Johnson's age and now i'm talking about older wide receivers but i i just i feel like i have more high-end value from some of those wide receivers whether they're young or old um, left in the tank and I I feel like DJ is probably just going to be kind of a low-end RB1 for the remainder uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing but there's some value to be gained here and selling him even if it's just a small window.
1: I have some thoughts on this one too is I actually have very mixed feelings on this guy I mean if I had Johnson I think I'd float his name out there see what what it attracts And I might also ask a Johnson owner or two, hey, are you down on him? You want to move him? And here's my reasoning is just a year ago, I thought he was the best running back in football. I mean, I I know he was coming off injury, but last I saw him, I know that's now two years removed. And I got to think, situationally, it can't get worse. I mean, Rosen, I still have faith in. I think he takes a step forward next year. The Cardinals finished the season with five backup offensive linemen, and their starters weren't good. You know, like, they they have resources. I don't know that it's going to be wonderful, but I bet he puts up more fantasy points next year than this year. Yeah, that
0: that's fair to say as well. Matt, I know you like to, to play this either-or game. We've got some new... January Dynasty ADP over at DLF. It'll be posted there soon. Nearly complete. David Johnson has an ADP of 19.2. James Conner comes in right behind him, 19.5. Le'Veon Bell is the next guy up at 21 overall. So all three of those guys bunched together in that uh, in that early, mid, second round range. Of those three guys, which one do you want? DJ, Conner, Le'Veon?
1: Matt? I want Johnson. I want Dan. Johnson easily, yeah.
0: Dan, what about you?
2: I think I'm taking James Conner there. Uh, as much as it was fun to see Jalen Samuels kind of have a couple of those breakout games in, in Conner's absence, I think I think the Steelers like having both of those players. And and maybe, Matt, you can give us a little insight on this. I think I see them maybe moving Jalen Samuels more to that, that H-back type role where we kind of saw with Delaney Walker in the past um, as kind of that undersized guy who can do a little bit of everything.
1: Possibly. Um, Tomlin's history really shows that he wants one back, but that's when you have Le'Veon Bell, it makes it a little easier. But going back to even like Willie Parker and those type of guys, he's really fed one back until they, they fall apart. But I think Samuels has done enough to say, hey, I can help this offense. Maybe it's only 20 snaps a game, 15 snaps a game, and maybe he is detached a fair amount. One of the problems with Jalen is his pass protection is awful. And I, I interviewed him in mini camp, rookie mini camp, and he sat down with us for like 15 minutes. And I asked him about protection. He says, "You know, I said I, I really haven't seen you do much of protection in college. How, how are you at it?" And he said, "I don't know. I've never done it because if we threw the ball, I went, I ran a route. So I watched him all through camp, and he got steamrolled left and right." So. He, I don't think he's a natural runner. I think he's a very good receiver, but not a special one. And I also think they might sign Latavius Murray or Jay Ajayi or Spencer Ware or somebody like that that would be the number two.
0: Ooh, that, that would be interesting. Yeah, Some on I mean, the cheap. We, we've we said all year, yeah, they're, they're going to bring in another back. They're going to bring in another back. And as that has you know as connor has proven himself i guess that the feeling on that has kind of changed to bring in another back to replace connor to now maybe backing connor up so that will be another situation to watch this offseason and, and there'll be so many dan let's move to the bears offense you listed uh again you're listing players in these these categories of keep trade or drop and i thought some of your choices here were interesting and i at first, I thought I disagreed, and the more I thought about it, I, I think I agree with you but would love to talk about it. Uh, a lot of the key pieces of this offense, which is viewed as as one of the most successful offenses in the league as as they turn things around this year, uh, of course, under uh, first-year head coach Matt Nagy, and, and he's kind of a guy that coming from Kansas City fantasy players, I think earlier in the season and, and last offseason, we wanted those players because they were part of his team. And, and now I'm thinking and wondering if that was so wise, but you listed Mitch Trubisky, Allen Robinson, Howard, and Trey Burton, all as, as players, you would uh, be looking to trade. So what are you thinking about that offense in general and uh, anything specific on those
2: guys that put them in that trade category for you? So starting before, before we kind of fully dive into everybody, I'll say that a Rob and Howard have mostly been on my sell list throughout the entire year. Um, If you follow the, if you have followed the thread, they've basically made that statement pretty consistently. They've, you know, they've each had their games. Um, Howard, when game scripts, you know, work in his favor, he has good games. And that's, you know, we can, we kind of know when that's coming. Uh, Allen Robinson has been extremely volatile. He, you know, he kind of lives and dies by Trubisky and, and kind of their game plan. And Trubisky, I think for, for the offense to more peak out rather than kind of do this dink and dunk stuff that they've kind of been doing, whether it's Cohen or Taylor Gabriel, um, or the other guys, even Anthony Miller, kind of works in that role as well. But uh, for Trubisky, I think to reach the next level, I really see the need for them to kind of move him in, in like the what Josh Allen's been doing, not necessarily Lamar Jackson rushing, you know, thirty times a game or whatever. Um, but even guys like Russ Wilson, you know, when when you can get those mobile quarterbacks, um, not a running quarterback, but a mobile quarterback out of there more and you can take that, that look away from the defense, I think you're going to make everyone around you better, just like those guys have done in Baltimore and in Buffalo and, and the other places where we have mobile quarterbacks. I think that's really important for Trubisky, and I think that'll help everyone in the long run. However, I don't think this is really a match made in heaven for A-Rob. Uh, I, I still think it's going to be a little bit of that dink and dunk offense because those are safer throws for Trubisky. Uh, I think that's kind of what he needs to grow. And this is is going to be a team that lives and dies by its defense. Uh, So whatever they can do on offense, whether it's on the ground or, you know, short throws through the air. Awesome. Fantastic. We can do that. And that's where I thought that Trey Burton was really going to excel, was in that intermediate passing game, that underneath stuff. And I mean, he had some monster games. He had a few, you know, he had a few really nice weeks, but it was either explosion or it was disappear and that's that's tough but again and, and I suppose that's kind of the nature of tight end uh, you're kind of looking for that upside those big weeks uh, but you also like to have a little bit of a floor and for him it, you know the the hype got really really hot all off season uh, and then even starting the, the starting the season when he had a couple of Uh, of down weeks the name the the name kind of held him up and he still seems to be propped up at least at least from what I've seen Uh, I don't have any of the you know the ADP numbers directly in front of me but it seems like he's still kind of living off of that offseason hype and a growing potentially offense so all of these guys I think uh, with the exception of Trubisky depending on the direction that offense goes I think are pretty easy sells even at current market value um, I would say if if they commit to moving Trubisky around a little bit more uh, and getting him more mobile, I, I think he would become at the very least a hold, uh, and potentially I'd even look to buy if we see him start to improve uh, as a as an actual passer rather than just kind of you know a modified running back. I think probably
0: the important, most important guy there for dynasty purposes is Allen Robinson. Overall, definitely fair to say he's been a disappointment. What's kind of the worst case sell price? i guess what's what's the bottom dollar on a rob if you're if you just want to get out from him?
2: It'd probably have to be still in that mid first range because of his name value. you know I'd he, slide down a little bit into that late first plus a piece uh, if, if that makes sense. but uh, honestly if i'm if I'm moving him, I'm probably more looking into another wide receiver. Um, guys around him like you know, Chris Godwin or Alshon Jeffrey, um, so a couple of guys that people are either really high on or really low on. And if you're able to kind of move around and and find find a piece that has a little bit higher of a floor, and maybe not even as much value, you know, as far as the name value goes, I think I think if you can slide down a little bit and increase your floor, I think that's an important move there because I'm not sure. I'm not sure, you know, how A-Rob's future is going to look. I don't I don't know if we I, I don't think we'll ever see garbage time or A-Rob like we like we've had in the past with Bortles. Uh, I think that man is long gone, but I still think he can be an okay contributor. Uh it's just going to be it's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys.
1: Dan, I'm curious. Are you
2: lumping Tariq
1: Cohen in with that group?
2: I am not because yeah, I, I think Tariq I think Tariq works really well in that type of offense. And I think Nagy's shown that kind of explosive playmaker, scat back, whatever you want to call him. And and he works well in that dink and dunk offense as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a little bit different with Howard because I don't really see Howard as a pass catcher. I think he's a solid two down back. Uh, I just don't see the offense doing well, you know, with him as the lead guy.
0: Matt, uh, the narrative coming out of Chicago or, or, or I guess the narrative that a lot of fantasy analysts have noticed, it seems with the bears is that this Nagy offense just spreads the ball around so much, whether that's because of him, or or maybe that's something Trubisky is doing that we can't necessarily count on any of these guys to be consistent, that he's looking at all the options on every pass play and whoever's open is who's getting the ball. It doesn't matter if it's that wide receiver one, Allen Robinson, or if it's Miller or, Gabriel or whoever it might be. Is that something you've seen in in your chance to watch them this year?
1: Yeah. And I think it's really good coaching for NFL reasons. I think he does a great job of scheming people up and they're hard to defend because it's not like, we know the ball's going to Hopkins. You know I mean? Like you got to defend every blade of grass and every player basically equally. So I guess, and, but that obviously isn't good for fantasy. I just want to mention Trubisky though. Like, I wonder if he's going to be a little bit better version of Blake Bortles. Uh, I mean, I just have doubts about him as a passer and I don't know that he'll ever be super accurate. I would like the the running's going to be key. The thing is though, the offense and the wheels kind of make him pretty fantasy relevant I mean, every week. Well, there's a few
0: guys we could say that about, right? Right. No, for sure. uh, Dan mentioned Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson. Like we haven't, We've seen more as a passer from Trubisky than than those guys, but mm-hmm. but they're not too far behind him, and in, in my opinion, uh, and that. But they're better runners, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. But
1: but um, right, you're you're right.
0: To me, that's also um, a worry for the for the future. Like, I, I just don't know how safe those guys are as NFL starters.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, if especially Jackson, but all three. If they don't get better from the pocket on third and eight, they're not going to be starters in three or four years. Dan, let's move on to Denver.
0: This is an interesting offense. They they kind of felt like a team that had one more run in them, or maybe a maybe a chance with some of these veterans. And they they dump CJ Anderson, they trade Demarius Thomas, and and then Sanders has the the late season injury. So for the last six weeks or so, we saw them. Really rely heavily on the rookies, which they did in the running game throughout the season with Lindsey and uh, and Freeman to an extent, and then later in the season Sutton and Hamilton at the receiver position. Position you had uh, you had Philip Lindsey and Cortland Sutton as players you would be keeping, uh, and then Freeman and Hamilton as players to trade. I think that's pretty much in line with probably what the consensus would be except maybe for Hamilton it it seemed like he really got a lot of uh, late season hype he was he was outperforming uh, Sutton from a statistical standpoint once Sanders was out of the lineup Uh, it sounds like you're not quite buying into that Hamilton hype
2: yeah, the Hamilton hype's interesting. Uh, obviously he got hot after, you know, Demarius got traded and Manny got hurt. Um, and there's not really anybody else around when you, I mean Cortland's gonna be pulling all of those top defenders, and that kind of frees things underneath for guys like Deshaun Hamilton. Um, and you know, he it was he had some nice lines in there. The the two games he had touchdowns in those, I think it was the last four weeks he had two touchdowns. But all of those lines were kind of kind of gross. They were They were like bad versions of what Jarvis Landry used to do. They were like six or seven catches for 40 yards. Um, And then if he scored, it's a great week. If he didn't, it was just kind of a mediocre PPR week. Um, And, you know, that's not to say that he can't get better and those things can't improve and he can't get, you know, more efficient. And obviously, if that's the way they're using you, that's the way they're using you. We can't, we can't change that. I just think, I think because of that hype and because people started to say, like, hey, we might want this guy instead of Sutton, that's, that to me is, is just an immediate sell once, once the hype gets to that point where you can take someone with a draft capital of Cortland Sutton and, you know, the, the future potential, you know, perceived value of someone like Cortland Sutton, and then you can say that, Hey, we want Deshaun Hamilton instead. Um, it, that to me, it's just, yeah, ship them, get, get what we can get for them. And, and I'm, honestly, uh, there's a lot of, for as long of, of a game as dynasty is, it's so interesting because if you're not making a lot of quick decisions and, and you're not, quick on your feet within your roster management, you're losing out on a lot of value and you're losing out on a lot of ability to get into different players um, that have more potential or might get more production um, just by hanging on to guys like, Hey, he had a good game. I'm going to hang on to him forever rather than, Hey, he had a good game. I'm going to ship him off and turn this into something a little bit better. Uh, It's always nice to be able to trade up. And I understand that that takes a lot of involvement, um, but that's important for your team. If you want your team to continuously get better, and to gain uh, roster value you have to be able to make moves like that. Yeah, I think
0: that's that's really well said. Um, I I'm with you. I'm I'm not necessarily a huge Cortland Sutton fan and and I am a little concerned about that catch rate. He yeah. I I had to I had to check it, but he caught exactly half of the balls thrown his way. Had a ton of drops and uh, you mentioned some ugly stat lines from Hamilton Uh, Sutton's Sutton's were even worse, but (laughs) um, I I think when we're talking ceiling, I don't think those two players are in, you know, in the same range necessarily. So if you could somehow turn Hamilton and a little something into Sutton, that that's a move you'd be making, I assume.
2: Easy money. That's that's easy money. And those are the kind of moves you need to look for when when guys get hyped up like that, especially kind of the lower end, you know, preseason stash type players that were going in, in you know, mid rounds of rookie drafts. That's the exact kind of move you want to make. And not to say that he can't turn into something. I think he's actually a decent football player. But when the hype gets there, yeah, it's it's time to sell. Don't and you then- guys
1: think Lindsay's a good sell right now, too, though?
2: if they didn't commit to him so hard after using that capital on Royce Freeman and, and, you know, obviously Royce Freeman's a rookie, but so was Lindsay mm-hmm. uh, and, and not committing immediately to Freeman, you know, and, and just kind of fully selling out on him. I think to me, it was scary that, that I went from not liking Freeman pre combine pre draft to, well, there's draft capital. I have to like him now. I, I got a little bit of that Russell clay in my blood. Um, <laughs> and, and and then it just lindsey just kind of took over and he looked really good doing it and it wasn't that freeman was necessarily bad i just don't think he fit the way that offense is built and who knows how much they're stuck with keenum how the coaching staff's going to change but it it just lindsey just seems to have every tool there and obviously now the injury is it will we'll see kind of transpires from that i just think i feel like even even with his his draft capital, I think that'll probably prop up Freeman's price just a little bit still where you can probably get away for even money. And I mean, the free upside of Philip Lindsay, I'm not sure. If you didn't sell him like mid-season when he really blew up, I think that was your peak value. I think right now he's just kind of settling into where he should be.
1: I hear what you're saying. I, I just... I think the quarterback situation in Denver probably won't be great, at least for a couple of years. And I'm not sure that I trust Elway ever to find one that doesn't knock on his door like Manning did. And Lindsey's size just worries me. And I'm with you with Freeman. I think Freeman's just a guy. But they did invest in him. And Lindsey's clearly a better player. But he just got injured at the end of this year. And his size worries me for, you know, a big workload.
0: I agree with Matt Lindsey. Lindsey is a guy would be selling. I, I kind of hate that that uh, that he had that off season. Or I'm sorry, that late season injury. Not not only for his sake, obviously, sounds like it's a pretty serious wrist injury. But um, for dynasty players who were hoping to sell high this off as well.
2: Yeah, I think the sell window was prior. It was was you know mid to early portion of the of late season. Um, and that was kind of your window to get out once that injury happened. I think now he's a definite hold because people are going to want an injury, uh, an injury price reduction.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of the hype, let's talk about Kenny Galladay. Uh, the hype certainly got out of control with him really early in the season. I guess it was, I guess it was our October DLF ADP he reached, uh, I believe it was the second round, maybe the early third round in startup ADP. And, and that kind of uh, shocked a lot of people uh, who, who use that resource. And it shocked me as well. What we saw though was really interesting. It was almost similar to the Sutton thing that after they trade Tate, after Marvin Jones gets injured, it felt like Galladay would, would have the, uh, the team to himself but his numbers actually got a little worse for the most part once he was the man. And once the, the defense has shifted and things like that, is that what it is that uh, caused you to put Galladay in that trade category?
2: Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a small piece of the pie. I, the, the bigger thing for me um, and at the beginning of the thread, there's a little breakdown of what each of the key trade and keep trade and drop categories mean. and And within the trade category, <laughs> The last sentence reads these, some of these players may be prone to overpayment. Um, Galladay is one of the exceptions for that. He's, he's one of those guys that you're able to get more than even what his ADP is currently showing. Uh, He just, he seems to have top five, top 10 wide receiver value. And, you know, And then because of the way the quarterback play has been, the coaching changes, the limited resources around him. And, you know, obviously Marvin Jones will be back and that'll help. But once you take those guys away, if he doesn't have help around, he kind of he kind of disappeared for for most of those. You know, he still had those splash plays and, and obviously he's still playing that. But because of the of being prone to overpayment, as I put it in there. That's, that's the big reason for me selling. I think you can, you can turn him into two nice assets or another elite asset and and increase for free. Um, And I had so many people asking about Kenny Galladay in that thread. And basically, basically every single time my response was it's free profit. If you can, you know, maybe, maybe he is a top five wide receiver two or three years down the road, but if you can turn him into a top five wide receiver today, that's free profit.
1: I'm a believer. I mean, that does sound like (laughs) an awful big price tag, but I just think when you watch the games, I thought there was some dysfunction with that team, with that offense, but whenever Tate and Jones were gone, he was the only show in town. They have no tight end. He's getting a ton of coverage attention and still passing the eyeball test, in my opinion. And I think if you add carry on as an every down back, Jones, some sort of tight end or slot receiver, I think he's going to make a lot of big plays, and I think he's going to be a number one. His his ADP has fallen back a
0: little. I'm looking at his January number now, and he's, he's down to 36. So right at the end of that third-round range, which uh, to me feels a lot more reasonable than it was earlier in the season. He's actually going behind Robert Woods, which is kind of surprising for a couple of reasons. Matt, you want Galladay or Robert
1: Woods? No, I don't think they're close. I want Galladay.
2: Yeah. Dan? Ooh. That's CB because that's, that's one of my guys though. That's, that's a tough one. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd probably take Galladay just cause I know I could get more, but that's really, really tough. Okay. So maybe, maybe
0: his value is coming back to uh, where, where it probably should be. Let's move on. Last one we want to talk about is the Seattle backfield. Uh, of course, Rashad Penny was the, the player you mentioned, the Royce Freeman draft capital and how that impacted his value Rashad Penny was the uh, the epitome of that once he was drafted in the first round Uh, he moved from a a probable mid first rounder in rookie drafts up to that one two one three conversation and then we've got Chris Carson who is the player who has really been producing this year in that backfield and and actually had a really nice year I think people have been slow to come around on Carson I've I've been one of those I've basically said sell every chance you get and and he has just continued to produce at some point they've got to give penny a a real chance at this job though right
2: yeah i think you know pete carroll it seems i don't know if he's necessarily notorious for not using rookies but he always kind of seems to slow roll them um and and let them get their feet wet a little bit before they get a full workload chris carson and he has looked pretty solid i'm not going to take that away from him. he's been playing some pretty decent football um but as an undrafted free agent in, you know, the history of Seattle and those mediocre running backs that get a bunch of run and then go away and disappear. You know, your Thomas Rawls, your Mike Davis your, uh, Kristen Michaels. It's, it just seems like that kind of is the way this is going. And yes, he's put up nice numbers. He had a big year, uh, and is honestly impressive. But when you spend a first round pick on a running back, who yes, is a liability in the passing game and in pass blocking, but he's an elite pure runner. He's he's I totally flipped because that's all I saw was a two down back. And anyone that knows how I value players, I never, I never steer towards two down backs, you know, just the rushing upside guys. I'm always looking for the pass catchers. And Penny was one of the only guys that I flipped on because of how good he was as a pure runner. Um, that and that hurts me to do. That, that that's <laughs> difficult for me to say because I'm such a PPR guy and a, and a pass catcher uh, kind of guy. So I see Penny as as getting, you know. Hopefully, we see him worked into that offense early 2019, uh, and we don't have to keep dealing with this. But I feel like it's Pete Carroll, and he's still going to kind of dangle that carrot a little bit.
0: But for right now, Penny is the guy you're keeping, or or maybe even buying. Carson is the guy you're trading away after that productive season.
2: Yeah, I think I think the it's again it's one of those guys that was free off the waiver wire, and you might even be able to get him for cheap as a contender from a team that was rebuilding, who kind of had that same thought process. And I think you continue to sell him until Seattle proves which direction they're going. And and for me, my money is always going to lean on the draft capital, especially when we didn't really get to see him early season or really at all.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I was never the biggest Penny fan, and I don't own him in any of my leagues. But I think you're right on this one. If you own him, you're not going to get much for him at this point. I mean, you might as well keep him for what you're going to get in return. And I absolutely agree that Carson is a trade because people are going to like him. He looks good on tape. He's in the playoffs. People are going to watch it. A lot. Every eyes are going to see him on over the weekend. And he's fine, but he's not special. And he's got a big workload. And I don't know if he'll hold up all that well. Dan, I know you didn't have
0: a, a buy category. I think I believe those players were kind of included in your in your keep group. Uh, but if you were to list some specific players that you would be buying this off season, maybe just a few, who would be some of your prime targets?
2: So follow up tweet to the whole thread, you know, kind of post mortem was. Um, who was one of your guys that you just can't seem to get rid of and always seem to seek out. And it's going to be this offseason again, Marvin Jones, because he's always (laughs) underappreciated, always undervalued, and as good as Kenny Galladay is, I think those guys can absolutely coexist, and I think they need each other, honestly. Um, So he's one of my main targets. Um, Everybody that's in leagues with me, just turn it off right now while I list these guys, and then you can turn it back on when we're done. (laughs) Don't do that. Another one who I was targeting, again, all all last offseason, unfortunate injury. Now we're looking at Jarek McKinnon. If you watched any San Francisco this year, saw what those running backs were able to do, and you're not excited for Jarek McKinnon, you (laughs) might want to get yourself checked out. (laughs) Exactly. And then we'll go one more different uh, position group. Uh, I think this one still, you know, he he had a a little bit of a rough go of it right away, a little bit of slumping. Um, But Dak Prescott, I I think, especially in Superflex leagues, he's still got a pretty nice discount right now. Uh, And with Zeke working, and hopefully we see that line fully healthy uh, in 2019 again, that's just a a combination for success. And now that they have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup going full speed, uh, hopefully we see one of the tight ends step up and do something. Um, I, I just feel like they're going to continue to build around uh, around him and, and commit to him full term. And I feel like he's still such, such a nice discount right now. And one QB leagues or, or Superflex or two QB, I think he's just an easy buy.
1: That's a good one because I do think they'll add a tight end, either draft or whatever. And they're throwing the ball to Zeke so much more now, finally. Yep. Those are nice, easy points for Dak. And his legs aren't going to go away. You hope Frederick comes back, who's the best center in the league. Yeah, I like that one. And I think Gallup gets better, like you mentioned.
0: Yeah, Dak is one of those that I think people just talk themselves into being a player to avoid. He had had that rough start to the season, but he's now three for three. Three seasons, three RB, I'm sorry, three QB1 finishes. He's been in the top 12 every year of his career. It's it's tough to deny that. So good calls there. Dan, you did a good job. We're going to, I think we're going to try this next season. We're going to give you a few months off, but hopefully we will have you back on here week one to recap all of the crazy happenings um, that, that are uh, looking, that we're looking forward to at that point.
2: Well, I, hey, I appreciate it. It's, it's always fun to come on and and now to do this is, uh, is really exciting I, I suppose bringing me on was was probably just a little bit to say sorry for every time you retweet my stuff and my phone dies so <laughs> <laughs> i i appreciate it guys it's, it's going to be fun i look forward to it yeah good stuff man this
1: was fun
0: mm-hmm. all right thanks dan thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next time with more dynasty Blueprint.